Welcome to the Experience Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message. It's our prayer that this message is not only an encouragement, but a blessing to your life. Amen. Awesome. Well, it is obviously student takeover today where the students are taking over our service and and. Uh, leading us so well. And so I want to welcome you guys, whether you're joining us in person or you're watching online. Honored to have you with us. Also want to give a special shout out to all those uh, in our correctional ministry across the nation, even in uh, the Belize Central Prison. And we love you guys. Come on, D-Town. Have me welcome our church family today. So good. Well, today I'm excited to um, introduce our student pastor, Aaron Rosario, who is going to be um, preaching and bringing God's word to us today. And I just wanted to take a moment and and honor him. And as he is uh, a son of the house, and I don't say that lightly, but um, there's a call on his life. There's an anointing, there's a gifting, and I'm I'm so proud of him. And... uh, and just, uh, I believe in him so much. And so, how many know we are blessed to have him leading our students? We are. I, I'm a little jealous of the haircut. I was wanting to do that, but Pastor Justina said, I can't pull it off like you, so I'm not. But man, just love you, believe in you, and uh, I'm grateful for you, and we're honored to have you uh, leading our students, leading us in worship, and just. Um, just being you. And so could you stand to your feet? Can we honor Pastor Aaron today as he brings us the word? Well, good morning, Experience Church. Y'all can go ahead and be seated. Maybe give somebody a high five and say, welcome to Student Takeover. Uh, we're, we're really excited. Um, I'm, I'm just going to start off, first off, by, by just honoring our, our lead pastors. I mean, I, I do this anytime I get an honor and privilege to, to stand up here but, uh, and deliver the word of God. But we have some amazing pastors that, that believe in the local church. They believe in the big C church. They believe that God wants to equip and empower and send out every son and every daughter. And so thank you for your hearts. Um, can we just honor our pastors? Thank you for your heart. Thank you for your obedience, your sacrifice. And so it, it's an honor. It's a, a privilege, opportunity to, to come and deliver the word today. And before I jump into the message I just want to share some wins, some things that have been going on here recently with youth and um, even some conversations that I've had with kids department. But um, this year alone, we, we have every second Wednesday of the month, we have what's called Youth Night. And it's where we do what we did right here. We have student-led worship. We have a message. We have games in the lobby. We have all kinds of crazy stuff. Sometimes we do eating contests, and it's not very good. It doesn't end up well. But we always clean up after ourselves sometimes. But... Um, but it's been amazing with the youth nights from the beginning of the year, January till now, August, in eight months, eight times of meeting, we've had 117 salvations from January until this month. 
absolutely phenomenal what God is doing. All of these students are saying yes. They're saying yes, I want more of Jesus. I want more of him in my life. Uh, it, it's been amazing to see that we've been averaging uh, from this year, we've been averaging about 55 youth per week that have been coming. We meet every Wednesday night. So if you're 6th through 12th grade, we meet here every Wednesday from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. We've been averaging about 55 that have been coming every single week to come and be poured into, to come and have fun, but to build community and gain friendships that can be around them that say, you know, regardless of what you're going through and regardless of how bad it is, there's always gonna be somebody that can encourage you. There's always gonna be somebody that can link arms with you and say, come on, let's go. Like, it's been amazing to see that. And we had, this year, we had at summer camp, we had 50 students go down to summer camp for a week long. It was a Monday to Friday. 50, 50 students come. And on that week, we had to postpone our youth night because it was that same Wednesday. But we still had 20 students show up here to be in small groups. We were engaging 70 students that week. It's it's just been phenomenal to see what God is doing, that it's, it's not us. We're, we're just simply opening a building, but it's these youth. They're going out and they're telling their friends, you've got to come and see what's going on. You've got to come and see what's happening. There are some amazing things. Yeah, there's some fun things, but there's some amazing things happening, and you've just got to come. You've got to try it out. You've got to taste it. You've got to jump in. It's amazing to see what God is doing in our youth and today, between first and second service alone, between um, our kids' ministry and between youth, we have 55-plus youth and kids that are serving in different places from worship to ushers to greeters, the front door out in the lobby, taking over the entire place. Absolutely amazing. And it was crazy because they're coming to us and they're like, hey, how can I serve? What can I do? How can I get plugged in? And it's just amazing to have a willing and ready heart to say, what can I do to jump in to be a part of what God's doing? And so it's been amazing. And I had a, a conversation with um, somebody from our, our kids ministry early this week and, and they were just kind of sharing, we, we have our, our classes every Sunday morning and we get into scripture and we have a verse of the week and they memorize a, a, a verse or maybe for the month and, and they worship together, but they're opening every single week. We're very intentional about opening up a physical Bible, a hardback Bible in a digital age. Some of us probably haven't opened a Bible in probably like a couple months maybe, but it's on our phone and it's easy to access, but every single week our kids are opening up the Bible, flipping to the scriptures, memorizing scripture, and I love what they were sharing. Yeah, that's, that's amazing that they're getting into the word of God, but I, I love what followed right after that. Immediately after they said, without our next generation serving, we don't know how we would do what we do back here on Sunday mornings. And that's such an incredible and powerful statement. Without our youth and without our young adults that are here serving and pouring into the next generation, without them, we don't know how we would run and operate our kids' ministry because they're such a vital part. They're jumping in, they're serving week in and week out, and they might seem like small things, but as Pastor Kyle and, and as Tessa were sharing earlier, it's when we bring our little to Jesus, 
he can do much. When we bring our little to Jesus, he can do extraordinary things. And it's just amazing to be able to just see what God is doing here. It's not, this isn't normal. This isn't happening at every church across the globe, but the Lord is doing something in our kids' ministry that keeps kids wanting to come back. The Lord is doing something in our youth ministry that keeps them wanting to come back. The Lord is doing something in our young adults in H3 that keeps them wanting to come back. It's truly something special. There is a move of God. His hand is on this house, and it's amazing to see what's happening and going on. We consistently have people serving that are youth and and, and young adult age and our photography teams, our kids teams, production teams, worship teams, week in and week out. And those are just some wins to share and to celebrate because we can take them so lightly, but yet it's making a profound impact, not just here in Defiance, Ohio, not just in this auditorium, but across the nation and even into Belize. Like the Lord is doing things internationally because there are even youth and young adults that are willing to say, I want to serve and I want to be used by God. I'm not too young. I'll start now. So just wanted to share those wins. It's amazing to see what God's doing. So wasting no more time, I want to jump into the message today. The title of the message is, Whatever He Says, Do It. The title of the message today is, Whatever He Says, Whatever Jesus Says, Do It. And so I want to jump into the passage of scripture here. It's John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, and it reads like this. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman. Now let's hold on right there just for a moment, because Jesus is like, woman. And so I'm like... Nowadays, this conversation might not go so well. So let me just speak to all of the students and youth for a second. I dare you, do not, no, I don't dare you. Don't ever address your mother as a woman. It will not end well. No devices, no tablets. Like, you're not going anywhere. You're not seeing sunlight for months. Like, Jesus is talking to his mother, and he's like, woman. But the thing that we know about Jesus is in, in this time and the way he was speaking to her, he, he never did anything dishonoring. He never did anything in a disrespectful manner. He, he was always honoring. And so it, it was more of in a place of honor that Jesus is referring to her and talking to her. But he says, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And an interesting thing that I, I, I read about this and, and certain scholars believe that this was a very a pivotal statement and it kind of marked a turning or a changing of the tides where Jesus used to be, I, I honor my father and my mother and I listen and I kind of submit to their authority. But there came a moment in Jesus' time where he's like, now all of a sudden my authority has changed I answer to the highest authority. I answer to my Father in heaven. I only do what I see him doing in heaven. I only say what I hear him saying. Whatever he instructs me, whatever his will is, I perform that and I carry that out. And in this moment, there's a little bit of a change in saying just the relationship between son and mother is starting to change and shift a little bit as it does in our lives. And in this moment, he's saying, I can't just act out of what, what people want, or I can't just act out of emotion and, and I'm performing miracles and divine acts just because of wants, but he's like, I have to stay submitted to my higher authority. I have to stay submitted to my Father in heaven before I act, before I do anything. And so there's a little bit of a shift that's happening here as Jesus is, is addressing his mother. But now in, in the, the next scripture here at verse 6, 
Or at verse five, it says, his mother said to the servants, Mary said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, I, I truly believe that if uh, Mary were here today and she could instruct us and tell us anything that she learned in her life, I, I feel like this is the message that Mary would, would share with us. In, in all my years and everything that I've learned and in, in everything and seeing the ministry of Jesus and living my life, the one thing that I would instruct you, the one thing I could say that I've learned in my life and I know full well and that I'm just resolved on is whatever he says, whatever Jesus says, do it. And I believe that that would be an instruction for us here today. And so I think that this is something that, that we need to be continually and constantly reminded of. But, but she's sharing a nugget here. She's sharing some wisdom here with the servants. And so she speaks to the servants, whatever he says, do it. And at verse 6, now there were set there six water pots of stone. And there's so much that we could say about this, but, but these water pots of stone, what, what was said to believe is that these water pots made out of stone, that stone was something that it could not contaminate. What was inside would not be contaminated because the stone was able to keep whatever was inside pure from being defiled or contaminated. And, and, and so I'm, I'm like looking at this and, and just a complete side note, like I, I look at the, the tomb of Jesus and, and there's a stone that's rolled in front of him because what Jesus does and who he is could not be contaminated by anything else in the world. It could not be tarnished. It could not be blemished, but there was a stone there. And so I, I'm, I'm making some small ties, but, but what's going on is, is Jesus is saying, no matter what you do and no matter what work you put in your hand to, there's no, if I bless it, if I can have something and make it pure, there's nothing else that can defile or contaminate it. And so it's saying that these were according to the manner of purification for the Jews, containing 20 to 30 gallons apiece. Those are big containers. At verse 7, it says, Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And very simply, as I was reading this scripture, I felt like the Holy Spirit prompted me and said, what are you doing with what you've been given? The, the things that are set before you, what are you doing with what you've already been given? You have these water pots, and he's instructing the servants with what you have and with what you've been given. Do something with it. Go and fill the water pots with water. And I love that it says that they filled them to the brim. Because how many know that Jesus will take our everyday occurrences and turn them into supernatural opportunities? What seems everyday, what seems simple and mundane and just familiar, he takes those things and he can bless it and make it something supernatural. He can do a powerful work with what we seem as like insignificant or just everyday, mundane, ritualistic, but he blesses those things. And I love how the servants took the advice of Mary seriously and they carried out to the fullest extent, whatever he says to you, do it. So I love that they go and they fill these water pots up. They could have left them just a little bit because we got to carry it or we got to move it. Some of the water might, but they filled it all the way to the brim. And so he says to them at verse eight, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it because I'm simply reminded of scripture where it says that we walk by faith and not by sight. That it doesn't say in this scripture that they went and they, they pulled out wine from a well and they filled it up. And so they were confident that these water pots had wine and they're taking them to the groom. But the master of the feast, but it says that they filled them up with water. He drew out the water and now they have to go and take it to the master of the ceremony. Now, 
back in this time and in this day, why this was such a big deal was because if you were throwing and holding your, your wedding and it could last anywhere from a day to up to a week long, and you had to have provisions from the start to the finish for everyone, no matter what. If you lacked in any of your wine or your food, you could literally lose your status, your social status in the community. And in some cases, you could actually be fined for not having enough provisions for everyone for the whole wedding. It was a big deal. There was a lot that was involved here. And so Jesus is saying, hey, they ran out of wine. I want you to take this water over to the master of the feast. If the master of the feast drinks water, he's gonna be like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> we need wine. But faith, I'm convinced, has a walk. That it's not by sight. It's not by what it looks like. And sometimes we can get into situations where it's like, Jesus, it doesn't really look like this situation can work out. It doesn't really seem like things can come back together. I've messed up too much. I've gone too far. Fill in the blank. There's too much that has happened. And, and at the very practical and simple sense, it doesn't seem like anything good can come from this. And so he's telling them and they walk it out, but the, the servants knew full well from the words of Mary, whatever he says, do it. And so it says that when the, the master of the feast at verse nine had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then they set out the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. Because although we've experienced the goodness of God, I've heard it said this way, that we live in a beautiful tension here on earth and in our Christian faith of already and not yet. That, that we've already, some of us have already experienced and tasted of the salvation of Jesus Christ here on this earth, but yet he hasn't fully saved us from a fallen and broken world and from a sinful world that we've already tasted, but it's not yet quite fully what it's going to be one day. And, and some of us, we've experienced the redemption power of Jesus Christ, of how he bought us back with a price. And, and we've experienced some redemption now, but one day he will redeem an entire world and there will be a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth that we've already experienced it, but we not yet have experienced the fullness of what he has to do, of what he set forth to do. And so I, I love the fact that we're, we're getting into some of these scriptures where we're talking about the servants are, are kind of handling things and do, but I'm convinced that the work of Jesus, that he always saves his best work for last. And, and I, just for a moment, I, I, I contemplate and I think on the glorious day of my salvation, of when I came to a transformational salvation moment with Jesus Christ and my life was changed forever and it wasn't the same. And, and then I think and I contemplate on scriptures that say one day he will remove every tear from our eye and death shall be no more and neither shall there be any pain nor suffering anymore and he who is seated on the throne shall say behold I will make all things new I think about the day of how glorious it was when I came to salvation and I was able to accept and receive the invitation from Jesus Christ and yet I think of the day that it's going to be when I can enter into his glory. When the church can enter into the glory of God, what that day will be like because he saves his best work for last. I think of that glorious day 
And, and, I, and we see here that, that Jesus is saying, hey, draw the water. And, and when he gets to the master of the feast, all of a sudden it's turned wine. And he says, you know, they, they, they usually put the good stuff and then they bring inferior, but you've saved the best until now. And so we pick up in the final verses here. I'm sorry. At verse 11, this beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. You know, as we, we go through this passage of scripture, I believe there were three things, that three insights about our problems that I feel like uh, I wanted to draw out and, and highlight real quick because we go through situations and I think about this, this story and the bridegroom is facing something kind of terrible here. There's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of weight that there are things that are out of my control that I can't handle and they're going to negatively affect me in a great way. There's a lot of problems. There's problems for the bridegroom. There's problems for the master of the feast. There's problems for the servants if they don't follow through. There's problems everywhere. And I believe that, that we want to, the Lord wants to give us three insights about our problems through this passage today. So the first one is this, that Jesus knows our problems personally. He knows that our problems have significant ramifications, though not to everyone, at least to our lives specifically. And he knows what shame and disgrace feel like, and he knows what humiliation feels like, and he's yet filled with compassion to move and to act on our behalf. I think about when Jesus is baptized and he goes out into the wilderness immediately following, and he's tempted by the enemy for 40 days and 40 nights. And he's tempted by the enemy, and, and, and there's all kinds of things that are thrown at Jesus in this time, because after Jesus goes through these things, he he knows what we're facing. He's been there and he's conquered that. He's conquered sin. He's conquered death, hell, the grave. He's conquered those things and he can do it in our lives too. But it's, 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 it's important for us to know that Jesus knows our problems personally. And yet he's moved with compassion to do something about it. And so there's a, a lot of things that, that would go on and, and Jesus knows full well what the bridegroom is facing if something doesn't happen. If something doesn't change in this situation, and, and I think about how many times I've been there in my life where, God, if, if you don't come through, I don't know, I, very practically and very simply, I don't know what's going to happen. And, and example, when I was in ministry school, I I was down south, and I didn't have any friends or family around, and, and I was kind of like, you know what, I just have to do the minimal work just to get by, just to meet my needs and, and pay the bills. And, and I remember one day being at church, and, and uh, I, I was invited to go out to eat, but I remembered I only had $10 to my name, and it was in my pocket. And if you know me at all, it was burning a hole in my pocket. I was like, I got to spend this. I know I only had 10 bucks, but I got to spend it somewhere. And so I'm faced with the situation. Do I go home because my car is on empty? Last night it was on empty, and I drove it this morning to church. I have to drive home, like all this stuff. Do I go out to eat with everyone else, or do I put gas in my gas tank? And, and I remember very simply I had a problem, and, and I didn't know what to do about it. And so I, I, drive, I drive home, I don't go to the restaurant that everybody else is at, but 
my, my wife knows me really well, but I'm like, but hey, how about, the, there's another restaurant across town. How about God? Like, you just show me a sign. Do I turn right or keep going to the other restaurant? And, and I remember I went to the other restaurant, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to put gas in my car. Somebody can pick me up, whatever. And I went to the, ga- or the, the, gro- or the restaurant, and I walked in, and I was like, praise God. The power was out. I was like, look at God going before me. Just take the power out. We can't pay for any meals right now. Like, sorry, guys. If you don't have a car, we can't take your card or anything. I'm like, I got 10 bucks in my pocket, but I'm not going to let you know that. So they're like, hey, you know what? I had a friend that was working there. He's like, hey. The owner just saw you come in, and, and I told him I knew you. He's like, hey, take him to the back. We got food. Just go feed him. Who cares? He doesn't even have to pay. And I was like, look at God. Like, I got 10 bucks in my pocket. And so I remember that day going home, and, and I'm like, I still have my $10 in my pocket. I ate a full meal. And as I came home, I didn't have any groceries. And as I came home, there was this, man, like it... It gets to me because Jesus knows our problems personally. I got home and there was like a two-foot box, like two foot by two foot, sitting on my front door. I didn't have money for groceries. I hardly had money for gas. I couldn't eat. And there was this huge box of groceries sitting on the front steps because Jesus knew my problems personally. He knew where I was at and he knew what I was going through. And I was like, God, I know that I can trust you in every situation and in every season. It reminded me that Jesus knows my problems personally. Which brings us to point number two, that Jesus takes our problems seriously. That he knows them personally, he, he, he takes them seriously. And, and I love the fact that Mary is coming up to Jesus as soon as him and the disciples roll in and, and they're like, all right, Mary's like, hey, they have no wine. And he's like, what is this? Again, woman, don't do that, students. Woman, what's going on? Like, this doesn't concern me. But I love how immediately filled with compassion, Jesus takes action. And he, he, he says to the servants, hey, I want you to go fill the water pots with water because he takes our problems seriously. Though it doesn't always happen the way we thought it would. Though it doesn't always happen in the timing we, we thought we needed it to happen, though it doesn't always match our description and our thoughts, Jesus takes our problems seriously. Our Savior takes them seriously. And though these problems may not impact the whole world around us, he knows that they impact the world within us. He knows that they have personal ramifications inside of our hearts and they affect our worlds in very specific ways. And so he immediately puts the servants to work doing what they could do naturally. Just do what you can do. Do what only you can do, Jesus is telling the servants. Go fill these things up. It's something very natural, very mundane. And I love how the servants took the words of Mary to heart. And she says, whatever he says, do it. Whatever Jesus tells you, do it. And they go and they fill the water pots up. Now, I don't know about you, but I get disappointed. And this is a blessing because I didn't even know that this was here. But you buy a new bottle of water, right? So you have this bottle of water and it's a full bottle of water, but there's still room there. Or one of the things that gets me is like when I buy a bag of chips and it's only like halfway filled, 
Like, that is just deceit, and that is not the Lord. Like, you're like, I paid for a full bag of chips, but I love what the servants do. They didn't leave it half full. They didn't leave it three quarters or even 95%, but the scripture says that they filled it up to the brim. God, I've done absolutely everything that I possibly could. I left nothing else out there that could be done. I did everything. I gave it all, and I followed through. And Jesus takes our problem seriously. And I want to read a, a passage of a sermon from Charles Spurgeon, who was a, a Christian preacher in the, the 1800s, mid-1800s. And it has to do with filling the water pots with water, with doing what only you could do to the very best of your ability. He says, search the scriptures, search them all you can, try to understand them. But if I know the Bible, shall I be therefore saved? No, you must know Christ himself by the spirit. Still fill the water pots with water. While you're studying the scriptures, you may expect that the Savior will bless his own word and turn the water into wine. Then there is attendance upon the means of grace and hearing a gospel ministry. Mind you, fill that water pot with water. Do it to the very best of your ability, but I may hear thousands of sermons and not be saved. I know it is so, but your business is to fill the water pots with water. And while you are listening to the gospel, God will bless it. For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Take care to use the means which God appoints. Since our Lord is appointed to save men by the preaching of the word, I pray that he will raise up those who will preach without ceasing, in season, out of season, indoors and in the streets, but they won't be saved by our preaching. I know that. Preaching is the water. And while we are preaching, God will bless it and turn the water into wine. Let us distribute religious books and tracts. Oh, but people won't be saved by reading them. Very likely not. But while they are reading them, God may bring his truth to remembrance and impress their hearts. Fill the water pots with water. Give away abundance of tracts. Scatter religious literature everywhere. Fill the water pots with water, and the Lord will turn that water into wine. Remember the prayer meeting. What a blessed means of grace it is for us to bring down the power for all of the works of the church. Fill that water pot with water. I have not complained of your attendance at prayer meetings, but oh, keep it up, dear brethren. You can pray. Blessed be his name, and have the spirit of prayer. Pray on. Fill the water pots with water. And in answer to prayer, Jesus will turn it into wine. Sunday school teachers, do not neglect your blessed means of usefulness. Fill the water pots with water. Work the Sunday school system with all your might, but it will not save the children merely to get them together and teach them of Jesus. We cannot give them new hearts. Who said that you could? Fill the water pots with water. Jesus Christ knows how to turn it into wine. And he he does not fail to do it when we are obedient to his commands. Fill the water pots with water. That whatever we do, whatever the Lord is purposed and placed in our hearts, to do it with the greatest and very greatest ability that we possibly can. That we do all things as if we were doing them unto the Lord. That we fill the water pots with water. Because this is how Jesus takes our problems seriously. And point number three says this, that Jesus handles our problems divinely. 
that he handles them divinely. He says, do what only you can do, and then I'll bless it afterwards. I'll put my blessing upon it. If you would be willing to do what I purposed in your heart, what I've called you to do, if you would be willing to serve as if you were serving unto the Lord, I will bless it and I will turn that water into wine. The thing that you saw at first, I'll do my best work on the end. I'll do my best work on the tail end. Just give me something to bless. Give me something that's wholehearted and devoted that I can bless. I love that Jesus will take our everyday occurrences and make them into supernatural opportunities. He'll take the everyday, the mundane occurrences and make them a supernatural opportunity. He'll do something that only he could do, that only Jesus could do. And so I'm, I'm convinced and the Holy Spirit was just speaking to me and and just saying that sometimes we can glorify certain gifts because they seem skilled and greater than other gifts. And, and, and so we, we kind of glorify those, but yet every gift is glorified when we enter into salvation because it has been redeemed and bought back with the price. It has been fashioned according to its original purpose, which brings glory to the creator of that gift because God wastes nothing. And if you have stone pots and some water, I'll bless that. If you have a lunch pail and some bread and some fish, I'll bless that. If you have a boat and a net, I'll bless that. Whatever you're doing, and whatever he's purposed in your heart, do it skillfully. Do it with excellence and he will bless it and bring about something that we could never have done on our own. Fill the water pots with water. And as Mary would instruct us, whatever he says, do it. He, he doesn't want my excuses. And so even in this moment, Father, I repent from the times I've made excuses. Father, I repent when I haven't done things wholeheartedly. Father, I repent from the times that I've delayed from your word that you've instructed and I knew you placed it upon my heart, yet I drug my feet and I didn't act it out. Father, we repent from not filling the water pots with water, from not acting and responding immediately. And a closing prayer that I want to read to us here is in Charles Spurgeon's message he said Lord I have done all that you've commanded me and yet there is nothing done unless you give it the finishing touch Lord I have filled the water pots and though I could only fill them with water yet I have filled them to the brim Lord to the best of my ability I have sought to win men for your name's sake there cannot be a soul saved, a child converted, or any glory brought to your name by what I have done in and of itself. But, my master, speak the miracle-working word and let the water which fills the vessels turn into wine. You can do it, and I can't. And I cast this burden upon you. But very simply, before we pray here, I want to share a story Years ago, I, I helped out with a, a youth ministry in Archbold, Ohio, and we met in the park, and we, we would go out and, and every Wednesday, and we'd play basketball, and, and we'd give a devotional, and then we'd go back to playing basketball, and we'd get all sweaty, and it smelled gross, but it was an amazing time in the presence of God. And I remember a friend and myself seeing that 
these kids would stay afterwards. After we were done with like our youth ministry time, they would stay afterwards and they'd just hang out in the park. And we see them there day after day. And so we, we just decided very simply, we don't have much, God, but, but we have a basketball and a Bible. And, and so we feel that you're, you're, you're placing something on our hearts to fill the water pots with water. And all we have is a basketball and a Bible, but maybe we can do a Bible study and play basketball with them. And, and this turned into a Monday through Friday thing. Every single night we would go out. And at the beginning, it started with eight, eight youth, eight students. And by the end of the summer, it grew up to 50 every night, 50 plus every night. And it was simply saying, God, I just want to fill the water pots with water. I want to fill it to the brim. We had a couple towels and we used them as capture the flag towels and flags. And we just had very simple things. It wasn't super overly creative. It wasn't very spiritual, but it was simply, we're going to read the word. And it's not like there were kids getting saved every single night and baptized. It, it just, it didn't seem like it was making a huge impact, but it was simple. And it was what we could do with what we had. Fill the water pots with water. And there was a, a gentleman that came up that I recognized from a long time ago this last Sunday in second service. And as I was leaving the platform, walking down the aisle, I was like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> I know you. And he was like, yeah, that's why I came up here. He's like, I wanted to say hi. And, and, and I remembered and I had a flashback because we were going out and playing capture the flag and we were reading scriptures and we were reading these things. And one particular night, there was a bunch of young people that were sharing just kind of scary interactions that they've had in their past. And it kind of filled the whole park with fear. And everybody was just filled and gripped with this fear. And so we stood up 50 plus students and we, we stood in a circle and we held hands and we prayed. And after the first time praying, about half of them stepped out and held hands. The other half stayed in the middle and we prayed over them. After three or four times, there was only two boys left that had this spirit of fear just gripping them. And finally, my friend and I were like, hey, guys, all of you, the Lord has done something supernatural and he's done something in you. Which one of you wants to pray for these two? Because what God did in you, he wants to do through you now. He wants to release the same healing and freedom that you've received. And I remember it was this, the smallest and youngest one there. And he said, I, I will, I'll do it. He heard the instruction, whatever he says to you, do it. And he steps out. And he had kind of a comical prayer. He was like, God, I pray that you would help these two scared little boys. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> you're the little boy, but whatever. And, and he starts praying in, in a moment, a simple short prayer, simple devotion, simple obedience. He says, amen. And the two boys are like, my fear is gone. I felt the peace of Jesus enter into my heart. And this, this young man went on to live a life and, and grow up and, and do different things. And, and, and I, I knew a lot about his life. And lo and behold, that, what seems so every day, what seemed like an everyday occurrence, God, nothing is happening. We're just playing capture the flag. Nobody's saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. They're just showing up to play games all these years later. That, that young man walks up to me last week, second service, and says, I'm still in love with Jesus. 
I'm still serving the Lord. I'm still filling the water pots with water. I'm still pursuing Jesus with everything that I have. Because Jesus likes to take everyday occurrences and turn them into supernatural opportunities. Would you pray with me this morning, church? Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you're doing in this place. And we thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. God, we ask that you would give us a tenacity about ourselves, a dedication to say we'll fill the water pots with water and we'll fill them to the brim. Whatever Jesus says, whatever he says, do it. We will respond. So if you're in this place here today and and maybe you're like, I want to respond and I feel something, but I haven't even accepted Jesus into my heart as my personal Savior. I've never, I've never made that confession. Or maybe, maybe it's you that's saying, you know what, it's been a while and I've walked away and I, and I haven't been living out the purpose that I know is on my life, but I feel him tugging on my heart today. Whether you're in the room or whether you're online, right where you're at, we just want you to throw your hand up right where you're at to say, I want to make that decision. I want to make that choice to follow Jesus all the days of my life. And would you pray this in your heart with me? Say, Father, I thank you for who you are. And I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died for my sins and paid my price. I declare that my life is yours from now until eternity. My life is yours. Teach me. Show me how to live. Fill me with your spirit. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, come on, church. Can we give it up for all that God is doing in this place this morning? Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk not get weary they shall run and uh, that's what happens when you wait that's what happens when you wait they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar they shall walk and not get weary They shall run and not faint. That's what happens when you wait. That's what happens when you wait. Oh, they that wait, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk and not get weary. They shall run. And I faint. That's what happens when you wait. That's what happens when you wait. Oh, they that wait, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk, not get weary.
For joining us. We here at Experience Church love you and are praying for you. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our hope.